0: You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. Along the way, you'll hear from some of my amazing colleagues as they share practical advice that you can apply to your own classrooms. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by the free Elementary Music Newbie Guide. We all know that you can't learn it all in four years, but the sad reality is that many new music teachers don't feel prepared for the elementary music classroom. In this free guide, we'll work through four of the most important things when it comes to being successful as an elementary music teacher. To grab your guide, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash newbie. Again, that's thatmusicteacher.com slash N-E-W-B-I-E. If you've ever felt like you didn't know what you didn't know, and you didn't know how to take the next step, this episode is all for you. Because today, we're going to be talking about curriculum mapping. If you're anything like me, when you were an undergrad, you to- you were told to make sure that your curriculum build on- builds on top of each other. But also if you're like me, no one really told you what that meant. <laughs> and that's something that even now I'm still trying to figure out what that means, but I'm going to kind of take a little bit out, a little bit of the mystic out of it, and kind of make it a little bit easier for you to understand. So if you're joining me with the podcast, I'm so excited you're here. But I'm also live on TikTok right now, because that's something new I'm trying. So if you would like to get a little sneak peek of what is going on in the podcast, follow me on TikTok at that music teacher. So when I go live to record podcasts, you can listen. So the idea of curriculum mapping is making sure that your curriculum is always leading off of what you just finished and moving on to what you're going to. So if you've never heard of the term spiral curriculum, that is something that really resonates with me. And the idea of a spiral curriculum is that the curriculum is always leading up to something new, but we're also not forgetting the old stuff that we've already done you're kind of making multiple passes on the same concepts while we're getting deeper and deeper into those concepts. So when I say a concept, it might not be as stringent as you might think. So I we have like melodic and rhythmic things. And basically what we're doing is we're going to be working a lot in the rhythmic realm and we're going to start with simple and we're going to keep using those simple things. But every time we go around that spiral, we're going to add a little bit more of Trickier things, or maybe something that might be a little bit more in depth. One of my commenters, Grumpy Cat Twenty One, over on TikTok, um, as I'm recording this episode, talked about multiple opportunities for success, and that is another wonderful thing about being able to use a spiral curriculum is every time you come to that multiple come to that that concept you get the multiple you know you get those multiple passes those multiple opportunities to be successful with the same concept because let's be honest there are some kids that they are not going to grasp that concept until the fifth time they see it but that fifth time they see it boom everything is going to change and they are going to be so much better off because you didn't stop at the fourth time you saw that concept before I move on at all, I want to be perfectly clear in the fact that I understand that as teachers, we really struggle with curriculum mapping because we just don't have the time. I fully get that. <laughs> Obviously, if we had a week or you know an hour a day to just focus on building our curriculum, that would be so much better off. But the reality is we don't. So my goal here is to is to talk a little bit about how I've started curriculum mapping, in a way that has allowed me to regain more of my time, so that I'm not constantly reinventing the wheel. And full disclosure, a lot of what I'm going to say is not completely like I'm the first person to say it. A lot of what I'm saying is just like fundamentals of good teaching, but I think it's important to repeat because. So many of us went through undergrad being told to make sure that we're making sure our curriculum goes somewhere, but didn't get the experience or didn't get told how to do that. So let's talk about how do we do that? How do we make a curriculum that builds upon itself? And the answer is, is we have to zoom out completely, absolutely completely. We have to zoom out Don't worry about what is happening in week 17 of first grade music. I want you to focus on what is happening the entire time that you see your kids. So for this example, let's use someone that teaches kindergarten through fourth grade, I want you to make a list and PS, a great place to start about this is looking at your state national and local standards about making a list of what you want your kids to be able to know. By the end of fourth grade, or by the end of whatever time you see them, what you want to know, sequential list, what do you want them to know? What rhythms, what melodies, what concepts, what composers, whatever. Just start jotting stuff down. Then I want you to start thinking about how we can break that down so that it's not this entirely huge thing, right? It is this ability where we're able to break into smaller chunks, so for instance, if I were to take my concepts, what I would do is I would start on the first year you teach. So if I were doing mine, I would start with kindergarten and I would say, all right, by the end of kindergarten, what do I want, to want the kids to know? Even if you have to start in like, okay, in an ideal situation, what do I want the kids to know? Start there by the end of the day, the last day of school what do you want them to know? Just write on the concepts. Um, it, it might help you if you break it down into like rhythmic concepts or melodic concepts or, you know, things like that. But what do you want them to know by the end? Then I want you to break down that list and start thinking about what you need to know before you know something else. For instance, you know, if you're, uh, if you follow the Kodai mindset, which I do for the most part, um, you know, I start my kids with soul me interval. I'm not saying I only teach soul me, but those are the the song that the melodic intervals that I really focus on. So before I teach them Do, I really want to make sure they know soul me. So obviously a prerequisite skill for Do is soul me. So then what I do is I take that list of concepts, the l- list of musical um, skills or concepts or things like that. And then I started breaking them down into the different months of the year. So right now we went so we just we already zoomed in. So we started on the full year. Now we just zoomed on, we start we started on the full year, the full grade band. Then we zoomed in on the full year just one grade. And now we're gonna zoom in a little bit more and we're just gonna talk about the different um the different concepts and break those up into different months. So, for instance, if I wanted to make sure that my students knew ta, titi, and rest before they left. Now, granted, I, I don't do this in kindergarten, but let, so let's say first grade. I wanted to make sure they knew ta, titi, and rest. The way I would teach it, when I'm not saying it's the only way, is I would do ta, titi, and then I would teach rest. So, I would make sure that before I started introducing rest, I make sure that they're confident in ta and titi. So, I'm not going to introduce rest in September if they're not going to get ta and titi until October. And by looking at it in kind of this like Sudoku mindset where like one thing has to happen before the rest happens, that can allow us to kind of plug and play into our curriculum for each month. So, so far in the experiment, (laughs) in this little exercise, you should have a month by month concept map essentially of what you want your your students in that particular grade to know. And then once you do that, what's really cool is you could one, just stop there. And you could just use that as a resource for when you start lesson planning. But if you know that you see your kids four times every month, then you could zoom in even more and you could say, hey, there are some concepts that we could probably do on one week and just kind of be done with. Or there are some things that we need to make sure that we're planning beforehand before we introduce it, or maybe afterwards and things like that, right? Those are the kinds of things that we need to make sure that we're keeping in mind. And I'm not saying teach like me. I'm not saying teach like your neighbor. I'm not saying teach like you're a cooperating teacher teach what you what feels right for you in your professional opinion because hey we're professionals and then see what happens if you try things and they go awful shift it try something new or honestly if you try something and it, does, it goes awful the first time, try it a second time. It might go well. And if it doesn't, then we can adapt. Then we can use this curriculum map as a living document. I'll be honest, one of the first things I did when I first got my teaching job, which I'm so glad I did this, was create a curriculum map, And I have been tweaking it ever since. You should see the curriculum maps that I have. Every year I print out a clean, quote unquote, clean copy of my curriculum app, of my monthly curriculum app. And then throughout the year, I'm taking notes all over it. Like, hey, we didn't get here. Hey, we didn't get to this until here. Or hey, we should have taught this in here. And then over the summer, one of the things that I do is I sit down, I get a cup of coffee and I, I think about, all right, I, I write, basically I write up a new clean copy. So every year I essentially have a new iteration of my curriculum app. If any of you have ever taken a computer science course, think about coding. Think about when people are creating a new piece of software, they don't just create it and then move on. They create it, they put it out for bug testing, and then they go back and fix the bugs. They go back and they reiterate to try something new. And that is the where the magic happens, is that is where we're able to take what we have, basically we as a professional made an educated guess that this would be helpful, And then we we presented it to our students. And sometimes we're right. And sometimes we are so wrong. And that's okay. That is part of the process of understanding how curriculum works and moves together. But we need to make sure that we are understanding what is happening so that we're not just moving on and pretending everything went well when everything is a dumpster fire the lesson before. We're understanding when we need more, when we need less, and when we need to try something in a different order or present it in a different way. What I like about now that I've already have my curriculum maps, and again, they're living, breathing documents that have changing constantly, but it makes lesson planning such a breeze. When I sit down a lesson plan, I'm able to bust out like three or four lessons in a 40-minute planning period. And I'm going to first say, start off by saying that is not how things started. <laughs> I used to spend like an hour on one lesson. But because of the time that I put in beforehand, I don't have to reinvent the wheel when I go down a lesson plan. I know that I have a fairly specific Template, quote unquote, that I kind of follow when I'm doing my lesson plan. So when I when I go down to lesson plan, I pull up my curriculum app and I say, all right, it's it's October. We're learning this con, or you know, my curriculum app says we should be focusing on this concept um, in in this month. What can we do? And then so I have that concept, and then I go into my song list, right? Then I go into my the songs that I know, or I might text a friend, say, hey, do you have any songs for this? And then I start gathering repertoire and understanding for those types of concepts and because I'm not having to pull the concepts out of thin air because I'm able to understand that hey I already kind of I already kind of did this this work um, that makes it so much easier for me so that I don't have to go back and try things again. Me personally I really fell in love with the Kodai philosophy because of the structure because of the sequential just kind of understanding of it, but I'm not here to tell you that that is the end all be all music education because honestly, I don't follow Kodai for everything and I don't completely subscribe to a lot to some of the, the approaches that are kind of uh, ingrained in the philosophy. But what I love about it is that the sequential nature of the curriculum is kind of the core tenant of how things build on top of each other, especially when a lot of us see our kids for multiple years. We have the blessing and a curse of being able to kind of go back and teach concepts that we, you know, technically may or may not be part of our standards, but are prerequisites for this, those that are the standards. And that allows us to kind of a little bit of creative, creative flexibility. And that's where I, I, I really kind of fell in love with this idea of curriculum mapping. And I know I've talked a lot about it, so I'm not trying to get too far into the weeds about why I love it. But I I know that it can be kind of a lot. So if you're sitting there saying, Bryson, I I don't have the time to do this. My goal for you, I want you to try this. I want you to pick one grade. I would say the easiest for you would probably be the base grade, the, the lowest grade you teach. And I want you to map out a smaller chunk. You do not need to map out the entire year. Whether it maybe just see by the end of the month, I want these kids to know this. Or maybe even by the end of the year, I want the students to know this. Just focus on one grade on one smaller chunk of instruction and then zoom out and break it into chunks. I promise you by putting that time in, that is going to allow you so much more time, instructional time, so much more planning time because you're not reinventing the wheel every time. We're making ourselves more efficient. We're making ourselves and the time that we have, the limited planning time we get more effective, more efficient, and more streamlined because we're using our time wisely. If you found this episode helpful at all, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not only does this help me understand what you find most helpful, it also helps more music educators just like you find the podcast. To check out the show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash show notes.